to the Burn the Boats podcast, where we interview people pursuing their passion in the moment of full commitment. Here's your host, Matt Sodnikar. Welcome to Burn the Boats podcast. I'm your host, Matt Sodnikar. With me this week, we're taking a little bit of a diversion from critical moments in startup, um, in your startup venture. And we're talking to uh, John Dunsmore from Buffalo. He's a securities attorney and his practice area is public offerings, mergers and acquisitions, startup and small business. And he just operates as a guide to help navigate people through some of the challenges getting their businesses going. So, John, welcome. Thanks for taking the time. Matt, thank you for having me. Uh, this is just a little bit of a preface. You know, all of this is uh, just general advice. Uh, it is not to could be uh, construed as legal advice, and it does not uh, form a, an attorney-client relationship with anyone who hears it. Uh, I have to give that little disclaimer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, please uh, don't put into practice anything that you hear us talking about without first consulting uh, an attorney for real. So, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, thanks for taking the time. We actually met on uh, Reddit on the Entrepreneur Forum, and uh, just seemed like a, a very interesting conversation to have. And I'd say just to get things started, what have you seen? from startups or entrepreneurs, uh, mistakes they've made um, from your perspective? That's, that's a great question. Uh, what, the biggest mistake I see is organization format um, and, and you know, where to form an entity. People believe that you know, because they have some type of what they believe to be a startup, that they automatically have to go be a Delaware C Corp. In most cases, that's not the, you know, anywhere near the case. Um, you know, if you have a small business, a small consulting business, a small web design business, you shouldn't do that. You should not go become a Delaware C Corp. And there's all of these people and disinformation on the internet that say, this is how <laughs> you do it. This is what you're supposed to do. But and then said so. people said so. The internet told me so. And so, you know, I run into those people later in the course of the life of their business. And I say, why did you do this? You know, you're a New York entity. You're, you, you teach ballet or, or you have, you know, art classes or, or something like that. Why are, you, why are you formed in Delaware? And they say, well, that's what the Internet said. And that's kind of, you know, my biggest kind of pet peeve is people read things on the Internet. And instead of calling a lawyer or asking even a CPA can do it, um, you know, where should I form and why? If you're trying to expand nationally, if you're trying to open up you know, multiple franchises or you are truly launching a tech company, a true startup, an app or something that you, know, you hope to be acquired by Google or Uber or Airbnb or something of that nature, then yeah, you may want to go for a Delaware C Corp because it's generally attractive for acquisitions. Um, and you may even want to start up as a Delaware LLC depending on what you think your growth rate is. Hmm. But as a general rule, it is not advisable to be in Delaware unless you have to be. Um, and some people see, you know, there's all these tax things and uh, I can save taxes if I'm a Wyoming LLC or in Nevada. And most of that's completely and utterly false because even you as a New Yorker or, you know, Coloradoan or Californian forming in Wyoming or Nevada 
and operating in another state means that technically, legally, you're supposed to be required to file a foreign entity uh, registration, whether that's as an LLC or as a sequel. Um, and it just doesn't work because that means not only are you taxed if you have an LLC, you're taxed almost three times, or excuse me, a C-Corp, you're taxed almost three times, but it doesn't work from a, a logistical standpoint because all the filing fees and headaches that it takes to maintain the books and records of this kind of stuff is just not worth it. You should be focusing on the business instead of focusing on the formation and, and entity uh, requirements of that business. So that's the biggest problem I see is people running into uh, the wrong direction from what they've read on the internet. And uh, not to say that you should go hire a lawyer for $1,500 to draft your operating agreement for a single member LLC, but you should at least talk to somebody. You should ask, you know, hey, what do I do? How do I do it? Is this the right way? Um, and that'll cost you a couple hundred bucks, but it'll probably save you a couple thousand in the long run. Sure. Um, and so that's kind of the biggest problem I see. So like in the case of the, the C Corp, is it just that it's not a fit for the direction of the company or is it something, or could you start as an LLC and then grow into that? Or are they just, are they throwing too long of a pass at the start? They're throwing too long of a pass at the start and they are not necessarily forming the right entity, right? Because a C Corp is designed to have shareholders. And that means mm. you need investors and you need all kind of, you know, creative uh, shareholder agreements and, and things to show that you're doing everything under the, the either SEC rules or, or uh, state what we call blue sky law. Um, and that's just not necessary for something that is, like I said, either something that's service based where, you know, you only tend to be in either one small area, uh, a state or a sm even a small region. Uh, doesn't necessarily need to be a C-Corp. You only need to be generally a C-Corp when you're looking at two things, either acquisitions or mergers with another company, or you're looking at having a lot of investors. If mm. you're trying to do an equity crowd raise, or if you're trying to do uh, you know, a 506B or C offering, those are generally C-Corps because those investors need an exit. And the best way to have an exit is generally through a direct public offering or some type of acquisition. And it, the paperwork is just much smoother when you have all of the proper documentation through a sequel. Um, but if you're a small, you know, either mom and pop operation or you're a small entity that does consulting around the nation, um, it generally doesn't work in your best benefit to be a C-Corp, especially in a state that you don't live in. Uh, because right. as I mentioned, you got to pay taxes again in your state if you're doing it properly. Um, right. And then there's penalties for not doing it properly. So it's not worth it for most people. Well, and something you said uh, just a second ago, you know, focusing on like the systems and the, the business operations side of things. If, if I could give any advice to our audience, it's I spent a lot of time doing things that were boring and not rewarding to do uh, like you know bookkeeping and trying to get you know the, the legal stuff behind the scenes any automation things like that to account for and plan for success and scale and volume and i see a lot of people because i come from the bike industry and i see a lot of people that do their startup and they'll you know 
have a pop-up tent, they'll do logo apparel, they'll do all this stuff. And while it might make you feel good, like you've accomplished something, you have something tangible in your hands, you can't, you have to sell enough product to pay just that back to break even. And Absolutely. there's other things that are, like I said, the, the nuts and bolts, the grunt work, the boring, you know, like, oh, geez, how do we, how do we, uh, you know, register the domain for just a simple example that things that will have a, a much bigger impact on the business because you want those systems built and running and optimized and tested like as soon as you possibly can so that you can focus on yeah, generating sales and revenue. Absolutely. And, and in most cases, you know, I guess forming an entity around an idea, let's say you have an app that you think could possibly work. Um, well, it may not work, but it doesn't hurt to have an LLC that you can put the app and the, you know, the domain and everything else that you have created along with it in that LLC. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it prevents someone from coming along and saying, you know, you've had a successful app and saying, wait a second, that looks like it infringes on, you know, either my name or my uh, icon or my emblem that I use for this product. And you've, you're a, a copywriter, trademark infringer. And, it, it, it provides a layer of while boring uh, asset protection that may help you in the long run. So that's why generally it's advisable just to have an LLC. If you're doing a lot of different things and you're doing a lot of stuff that involves, you know, potentially multiple people seeing it throughout the world or throughout the country. Um, it's, it's good to have that layer of protection. Um, and that doesn't mean, you know, everybody needs to go, set up an LLC for the simple idea they have, you know, test it and see what's going on. See, ask your friends and family if this is something that works before you go spend the, the hundreds of hundreds of dollars to, to get, um, you know, the filings, but it's not necessary for, you know, a basic idea, but it is necessary for someone who is a, a quote unquote true entrepreneur and is always moving and trying new things and putting stuff out there, whether it's apps, consulting, uh, web design, you know, ballet or art performances, um, you know, those kind of things make people get sued and, and people don't need a good reason to file a lawsuit against you. We've all known <laughs> the frivolous cases. Um, right. So it, it, it helps. Um, and so that's one of the things I do encourage from most entrepreneurs is to have a basic LLC. Um, if you're doing this on the regular, if you do this every Saturday and you've, come up with a new crazy idea and you're putting it out there on Monday, you know, at least protect yourself as much as you can. Um, and for a couple hundred bucks, it's not bad. There's, there's websites online that'll do it. Um, if you're a multi-member, if you have, you know, a couple partners or you have someone who's given you money, then you need to hire a lawyer. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no ifs, ands, buts about it. The people that, um, and there's some great um, companies online that, you know, can do this stuff for regi registered agents for free or, or discounted rates. But, uh, that's when you're doing long-term, long large-scaling kind of things, um, when you are the Delaware C-Corps. Um, but for most people, you know, just talk to an attorney and see if you're on the right path. It, it'll cost you a little bit. It's not the fun, sexy stuff that everybody likes to talk <laughs> yeah. about. You're not going to read it about it, as we were talking earlier in Fast Company or Inc. about how, and then Johnny went and talked to a, a lawyer who told him to form a C-Corp. That's not what you're going to hear. Yeah, and, and everything was successful after that. But yeah. uh, it's just kind of the basic foundation that allows you to build 
whatever kind of empire you want to build. And it's really important to have that foundation. Well, and to, to further hammer home that point, I'm in the midst of Tim Ferriss's book, The Tools of Titans, sort of the conversations he's had on his podcast. And yeah. along those exact same lines, he's talking to Scott Adams, the uh, Dilbert cartoonist. And Scott talked about how he focuses on systems versus goals. And he delineates that by saying, what persistent skills or relationships can I develop? And if you built a framework and the other part that you mentioned is that, hey, maybe the app doesn't work, but you know what? When you have your next idea, you've already got your LLC. So think about the next idea is already going to be weeks or, or months ahead and you can just keep moving forward. So yeah, if you focus on learning the foundations, which I completely agree with what you said and you know, do systems and just try to develop skills. Yeah, you'll be you'll be unstoppable. You, pair, you know, pair that with persistence, you'll hopefully crush it. Yeah, and and that, that leads me to another point is especially when you're you know you're at this a long time and you're doing different things and you're an entrepreneur working with other entrepreneurs, truly value people. Um, I see in the, the the startup world, especially not so much in the small business world, because people have to deal with people on a regular basis and their your neighbors and things of that nature. But in the world of the internet and, and people finding each other online and finding a developer online or, you know, somebody who can do your, um, you know, your tech or coding, um, treat that person very well as you would treat them as your neighbor. Um, I, I get a lot of disputes now where people are saying, you know, this guy gave him X number of dollars and he screwed me over and he didn't deliver. And then, they send me all the emails and the documents and whatever documents they have. They normally don't have an agreement, but uh, I see the back and forth and people treat people so poorly. And I don't see that in small businesses. Like I said, because I think they have to work with each other at a closer level and they see each other face to face. But if you're working with a guy and you're in New York and he's in California or she's in California, you need to, to be respectful and kind to that person because you never know <laughs> when that person may need your services or your skills or, or you may need theirs again. Um, yeah. So I, I, I can't believe, I'm, especially as a lawyer, you know, this is not normally something you would hear from me but, <laughs> or from us as a, as a class of you know, individuals. But be nice to each other. Um, you know, think about the long term. Think about the, the future. And if you really want to be a successful entrepreneur, I don't know if you can burn many bridges without uh, you standing alone on some little island by yourself. Yeah. Um, and that's really important because while the world is very big, it's getting very small. Uh, I've, I've run into people who actually know people that I know personally. Um, you know, I'll meet someone on the Internet and they say they're from Colorado. And I say, well, I'm from I have a friend who's from Colorado and they're from this town. And, and they go, oh, my God, I, I'm from there, too. And come to find out they went to high school together. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. And that's the kind of stuff that happens. Um, you know, you're at a conference, you're at a tech conference, and the tech world is fairly small compared to, you know, the entire world. And you will run into the same people. Do not yeah. burn bridges. Do not, you know, embarrass yourself personally and professionally when it comes to, you know, this type of environment. I know it's tempting. I know people, you know, get upset and people, <laughs> you have sometimes value, value valid reasons to be upset um but at the end of the day we're still all just people and you've gotta you've gotta handle it the best way you can because i promise you if you get me involved or another lawyer 
it's going to become very, very expensive. Um, and it's going to be very, very time consuming. And if you're, you know, a company who's trying to raise money, it could prevent your company from raising money. Um, that's happened multiple times to the people that I've had to send letters to and, and sue and threaten to sue and things of that nature. And it's derailed dreams and not just for that person, but for a lot of people who believed in that startup. So, um, <laughs> dispute <laughs> resolution is, is a real thing. Uh, I, I didn't expect to come here and pitch that or, or, or you know, uh, that to be a, a little minute of conversation, but yeah, it is, it is incredibly important to be able to resolve matters in a respectable, you know, fashion that just allows both parties to either walk away happy or to walk away and not feel burned or, uh, vindictive, I guess is especially important because with right. source codes and access to websites, uh, websites can be deleted. Um, oh, it, yeah. Yeah. It can get ugly. So that is very important for startups, I believe, especially people that are young entrepreneurs that may, this may be their first time out. This may be, you know, their first time away from what is their traditional job or their traditional kind of, uh, you know, sphere of, of work that they're used to. And it's real tempting to write off a, a really angry email at four o'clock in the morning saying this damn website's you know broken and the links don't work and all this other stuff. But you know, read it out loud as as a wise man once told me, uh, and then delete it and start over uh, and try to try to you know get the point across without being so angry because it's right. hard to judge context, especially through emails and text messages and things like that. Oh, yeah. um, but. I've got yeah. a 24-hour rule where if there's something that, well, it's actually probably more of a 48-hour rule. If it bugs me for 24 hours, then I'll do something about it. I'll write something down, kind of the context of it, and then I'll come back to it in another 24 hours and see, all right, is this still something I want to act upon? And probably nine times out of 10, 99 out of 100, I don't because it's yeah. just not the right thing to do. And it's funny you say that about the uh, the, the small world in, in tech or, or legal or wherever, is that I asked uh, the guest on the previous episode, what's the best advice you ever got? And, and he said, this industry is so small because you're going to get screwed over and somebody might do it on purpose or by accident. And you just turn the other cheek because you know what? They might change companies. They might leave and you may need to interact with that person again and absolutely just people get brave behind a keyboard that, that happens a lot and yeah. uh, and i also too if i do more than three emails back and forth i'm picking up the phone it's like yeah that's clearly. that's another great rule absolutely <laughs> absolutely Something's i like your 48 it. hour rule that's a good rule that i think i may implement because if it bugs you for 48 hours and the mean email is still there, it's still coming out mean or, you know, maybe I need another 48 hours or something before I respond or I need to simply call the person. Uh, you know, I just, I had to settle a, today's Thursday. I had to settle a dispute with a, a client and, a, and a, another person who was, uh, you know, they had been at odds for almost a week and a half. Wow. And I said, well, you know, have you spoken to that person? And they said, no, I, of course I haven't. They've been sending these nasty emails. And I said, well, you know, the first thing you need to do is when you receive that nasty email is to, you know, calm down and, and don't respond negatively, but try to pick up the phone or, or, or Skype or, or whatever it is, not to, you know, or Zoom or whatever it is yeah. and, and, and get in contact with that person and try to find out what's going on. 
you know, people have personal lives and they have things away from work that may be affecting their work product. And sometimes it's good to just simply talk to someone about that. Um, it's not necessarily a, a horrible, uh, you know, thing to treat people as people. Um, I don't know. I, I think that's a, a really good rule when, when receiving a bad email, take a minute to relax and, and then call that person and find out what's going on. Yeah, because you, you had a critical thing, the, uh, the tone of voice, because you can't, you, know, you can assume so much in an email. And um, yeah, hearing somebody's voice going, hey, did you really mean this? Or I'm taking this kind of this way. And uh, I read a customer service book, and I think it was from, uh, it was like uh, an airline, unfortunately. But they said that when people call in, they're mostly looking for understanding before resolution. They just want to know what they want you to know what they're dealing with. And then once yeah. they do that, then you can move off the, the problem space and get into the solution space. But you know, they just don't want, you know, condescension. They want to say, well, what was the impact? You know, we lost your luggage. What does that mean to you? And then you can let the air out of that balloon and then hopefully work on fixing the problem. Absolutely. I mean, it, it is amazing how, simple just talking to someone is and treating them nicely uh, you know my fiance reminds me all the time that i do uh, better work with with honey than than vinegar and yeah that axiom remains true throughout business throughout entrepreneurship throughout the law i mean lawyers can be known for their snarky emails uh <laughs> and, and myself included especially in my younger years i was known for firing off a, a, a snarky email and it doesn't work out for you in the long run it's better to be you know a kind compassionate person who can get along with everybody or make things happen than the person who's angry in the corner and by themselves um, yeah it's really hard to be successful by yourself no matter what you're doing so, yeah be cool um, everybody be cool be cool be cool <laughs> or you have to hire us <laughs> uh, to figure out what your dispute is. <laughs> so who are the, who are clients or startups or people that just energize you? If you could sketch out a dream client or what would that look like to you and your business? That, that's a great question. Uh, I'm a huge admirer. I think as, as most entrepreneurs are of Elon Musk, uh, mm -hmm. the guy just simply, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't let anything stand in his way. Um, and I really admire that. I mean, just from a logistical and legal perspective, all of the regulations he's had to jump through from, you know, battling with the state of Michigan who wouldn't allow him to sell Tesla's uh, through direct marketing and all these other kind of uh, energy problems that they've had. It's just it's just astounding uh, what yeah. his legal counsel has been able to do. But it's at the direction of, of, of someone who you know, is a take no holds bars kind of guy. He's, he believes that, you know, this is the future, this is the way, and let's charge ahead. And for any organization, you know, that is really important to have someone who not only do you believe in, but you know is capable of delivering results. Um, you know, a lot of people, as, as you know, we met on Reddit, say, you know, they're a wantrepreneur, somebody who thinks they know it all, and they've got this perfect way of doing things. And and then they talk to someone like me or they talk to someone who's you know, done it before and they get to the point where, you know, they're almost 
not necessarily in tears, but they're going, well, well I, I, I read it this way or this, this is what it was told. And, and it goes, no, like this is not how it works. You don't, you don't go out here and raise $10,000 by, you know, posting on the internet. Can I have $10,000 and things of that nature? You can get yourself in a lot of trouble that way, especially if you're going to build something in the long term. Um, and so you've got to be careful and you've got to be humble no matter where you're at. And, until you get to the Elon Musk stage, I don't think, you know, I even think that guy's probably pretty humble when you get him down and uh, have a meal with him. But I mean, I he, is, he, he is he is the quintessential uh, dream of the entrepreneur. And, and I think that would be uh, while it would be a very stressful and I hear he's got a very tough work ethic and, and work schedule. I would love to be uh, Elon Law's counsel or uh, Elon Musk's counsel. Um, I think that would just be phenomenal. Um, and just trying to navigate all the regulations. I mean, you know, we talk about uh, regulations, but you know, Airbnb and those guys and and Uber especially, they kind of just skirt regulations. And I, I that part of the law is is very very ugly uh, and can lead to a lot of problems. And so uh, I appreciate the finding the loophole, but I don't necessarily appreciate the oh we know the law and we're just going to ignore it because we're big and bad enough. Um, you know, those companies have revolutionized industries, but the law is a very slow, tedious monster. And uh, I think in order to be a, a really true legal advocate, you've got to operate within those realms. Um, you can't just say, oh, we're, we're just big and bad enough to ignore the rules. Uh, that doesn't make you a warrior. That just makes you, you know, someone who's ignoring the rules. Um, and, and to that end, that doesn't mean those guys are bad lawyers or, or you know, they've provided bad legal advice. I just think that uh, it is a lot harder to operate within the rules and regulations uh, than it is to simply ignore them. And so, yeah, that's why Elon Musk is is my guy, uh, I guess. Well, and I want to just I want to get on to uh, funding and, and that sort of uh, that arena, because that's still just baffling to me. But to your point, I used to sell professional development systems like soft skills training and yeah. That touched on company culture. And if you're, it, like you're saying, the law is always going to win. You're always, you know, can't escape yeah. death and taxes and, and legal. And if that's your company culture, I think your your burn rate for existence or your employees is just going to be, it'll be a sausage factory. You're just going to yeah. churn through people or churn through customers. And I personally i've left companies simply because of the culture because i don't think it was unethical or uh, illegal but i just it didn't fit with me at a, at a values level yeah yeah no absolutely if you have someone who don't, you don't value their leadership or you don't value their opinion i mean there's only so far fast you can go um it's really important to have a, a really great team and that's another thing. I really encourage people to find the right fit. Um, mm-hmm. if, you, if you don't jive personally with somebody, don't take it personal. Some people just aren't meant to be a, a partnership, whether it's a, a legal partnership or a, an employee partnership or uh, a startup partnership it is really important. In a lot of ways, it's a lot like a marriage. I mean, you're there, especially if you're in a, a true honest to God startup, you're there more than you are with your family and friends. So make sure mm-hmm. you know who you're working for. And you like that person as a person as much as you can, because things are going to go bad. Um, it's only a matter of time that things go bad and you need to be able to resolve them. You need to have the interpersonal skills to be able to resolve them. 
Absolutely. So funding, you know, let's talk a little bit about that, you know, cause I see it on Kickstarter and see it on Shark Tank and the, you know, the valuation with this, this uh, share and things like that. Um, what are some common things to think about or common mistakes or things to think about when it comes to looking for funding that you've seen? The, the biggest mistake I've seen, and I think I've mentioned it, is when people just get on the internet and start saying, hey, I'm looking for investors. Hey, I need this. Uh, I need $10,000 or $20,000 to get my app going. Um, and then, you know, through a course of conversation, I find out or, or eventually find out through someone that, you know, this person hasn't even spoken to a lawyer. They don't realize that they need to speak to an attorney uh, before going to accept money. And that's the scariest thing in the world. Wow. Um, is that, you know, especially if they haven't done the property in, proper entity formations that we talked about, right? So you sign up as Matt and take somebody who's $10,000 and you're not in an entity to form your application. Guess what? They're coming after you, Matt. You know what I mean? To, to recoup those losses, whether it's through your house or whether it's through your other source of income, assuming you have it, you know, that kind of stuff is very scary and most people aren't aware of it. And it just baffles my mind. And I see it a lot with startups um, that, you know, are young guys and girls that just have no idea how fundraising works. And mm-hmm. so, you know, when they come to me or somebody refers me, I get a, I get, my, my business is primarily through referrals. But when I have someone referred to me and they say, you know, I was, I did this Reddit post or I did this co-founder post or I tried to go through AngelList and they said I didn't have the right documents and all this other stuff. And I, I, I look at what they've done. And the first thing I say is, have you accepted money first? You know, if you've accepted any kind of money, you probably need to give it back at this point. Um, Because you've probably already violated some either securities regulation or, as we said, a blue sky law. And that's scary for most people. And I don't mean to scare anybody who's listening to this, but as a general rule, there's always some smart, relatively cheap attorney that you can talk to to say, hey, how do I go about this? What is the proper way? Because if you want to build something long and lasting and something that's acquired by Google uh, or Microsoft or Apple, then they're going to look back at all your documents. Mm-hmm. They're going to look back at, well, how did you get this initial $10,000 to create this app and pay for these developers? Oh, well, you hired them. Well, how did you hire them? And, you know, it goes through that entire process. So as, as we said earlier, you know, build a proper foundation. And once you build that proper foundation, you can go to the next level and you can go do the fundraising and crowd raising and equity crowd raising and all those kind of things that are a lot of fun, but you need to do them properly. And if you, I think what most people will be shocked to find out is once you do them properly and you see how it's done and your investors see the documents that you provide them, it's going to be, a, it's going to make your job and your life a lot easier because investors are going to trust you, your, your company and your clients and everybody you work for are going to trust you because they know you're working with someone who's competent and who's able to provide what you need to get to that next level. And that's really important when it comes to raising funds, because if most cases, if you don't have those funds, the entity is dead or the entity is going to stall or it's eventually going to just, you know, continue on its way as the little startup it is, but it will never reach maturity. Yeah, and uh, I I don't know anything about the funding side of things, but I know about the sales side of things. And if you're trying to separate people from their money, whether it's for a cup of coffee or a bike or you know investing an amount with a comma in it into a startup, 
you have to you have to be a professional and you i think you could have the best product but you know people would probably make sure that their zippers up and they comb their hair and they, they take a shower but if their whole process if they get up there it's the world's best idea but they just have something that puts you know fear uncertainty or doubt into their their customer's mind which is the you know, person wanting to give them some money yeah you'll screw that up and you don't have a you rarely get a second chance to recover from that and yeah it, it and trust me i am add and i am like all vision all theory all like you know next new shiny thing that's the hardest thing for me to do and sit down and i know that if it's something that i don't want to do like if i've gotten up and got a cup of coffee and i've you know looked away and i've got distracted on the internet i was like this is probably something really important that i should work through and suffer through for probably half an hour or a week or something and just get it done because then it's done it's done right and it'll just uh, make life easier down the road and you'll look like a pro exactly and and in most cases especially if you're doing a little bit amount of money and you're staying within state, you can find a competent attorney who will help you get it done for a relatively cheap amount of money. I promise you there's enough lawyers out there that it can be done for a very, very reasonable fee. And it, it leads to, as you said, when you're coming to the sales side of things, people taking you seriously. And as someone who's handing over money, uh, you want to have that in, in trusted hands. And so the best way to do that is to do it properly. Um, so while it's not ugly or while it's extremely ugly and it's not sexy at all, it's one of the best things to do, especially if you're going to do this long term, uh, is to do it right and to do it right from the very beginning. So you don't have to pay your lawyer more money to undo everything you've done, um, <laughs> especially if you've accepted money without any documents. Like I said, that's the that's the first thing I ask is, what, have you accepted any money already? Uh, it's from friends and family. Normally it might be okay depending on where they are. Uh, but if it's from any, you know, quote unquote outsiders, that's where things get crazy. And, uh, you know, pe people have lost their dreams because of it. They're not, they have not been able to pursue whatever their goal was. And that's really scary. Um, yeah. So. It is what it is. But. There's signs in some bike shops I've seen where it's, you know, tune up is $50, you know, bill is $150. And then to fix your mistakes because you screwed it up, it's like $300. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, I, I truly and honestly believe, Matt, that one of the reasons that people think lawyers are so expensive is because they break something really expensive and then they come to us to try to fix it, right? And so I say if you simply do a little proactive you know, legal research with us, with us as your guide. You know, I like to say that I'm a guide. I, you know, you don't necessarily have to trust what I say because you're the client. You're the one who's paying me to tell you this. But uh, if you <laughs> if you listen to our advice and, and help us guide you through the way, it is a lot less expensive. It is a lot less stressful. It is a lot less just every negative consequence that comes with being an entrepreneur, right? <laughs> yeah. You don't have the sleepless nights. You don't necessarily, well, I can't say that because you may still have sleepless nights, but it, at least you know you have someone who understands the scary side of things better than you do. Um, and that's generally 99% of lawyers out there who handle this kind of stuff is we know what landmines to jump over and where to, you know, skip across the bridge and not to, fall through everything because 
especially for the startups that are doing stuff nationally, it is very important that you have competent legal counsel. Um, if you're if you're a local person, it, it's a lot less dangerous. Uh, you know, you're not really going to get sued as much. You're not going to have any uh, not necessarily any people filing copyright infringement things against you. Um, but it's very important to have someone that you can call and build those relationships with. Um, so when things happen and they will happen as a business owner, um, that you have someone to go to, that you have someone to help you fix whatever problem has come up, uh, whether through your own making or through, uh, just the way business works. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I really enjoyed this, John, and I would like to have you as my, um, spirit guide regular on the podcast down the road. So um, this I would just, be honored. This has just been uh, incredibly enjoyable and, uh, and valuable because such a, a wide um, ranging topic, you know, horizontally, vertically depth, you know, that we could talk for days about this. And so I'd like to just come back and maybe drill down and, and revisit some topics. So thank you for making the time. So Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure and I hope people enjoy this. And as I've said in my previous disclosure, this is for educational purposes only. Uh, we are not attorney client privileged. Uh, we have no attorney client relationship, but I hope everybody's enjoyed it. And uh, Matt, it was a pleasure and we will have to definitely do this again. So where can people find you, John? Let's say that they do need some, uh, they do need a guide and they want to enter into that attorney client privilege. How can they get a hold of you? The best way to get a hold of me is Dunsmore, D-U-N-S-M-O-O-R, law, L-A-W.com. Uh, we're going to have a brand new website up here in a little bit. I have a, a fantastic vision coming. Uh, and so hopefully I can link to this podcast and all those other kind of cool things uh, so people can understand, you know, how to avoid trouble. But that's the best way to get in touch with me. Um, and you can, I be, you will be able to sign up for a free consultation. So hopefully you can avoid some of those landmines. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you, sir. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Bye. Bye-bye. Burn the Boats is brought to you by The Warm Front, the most unique product in outdoor thermal apparel. Visit us online at thewarmfront.com. Pursuing your passion? We'd love to talk. Email us at podcast at thewarmfront.com. We'll see you next week.